Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. The NFL is back, and so is the Get My Job podcast. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am so excited to be joined today by ESPN Saints reporter for NFL Nation, Catherine Terrell. Catherine talks about building relationships and remembering that trust is bigger than the story. Taking opportunities, covering high school football, the other sports she loves to cover, and so much more. This episode is really fun and really inspiring, so let's get to it. Catherine, welcome to the Get My Job podcast and the first one of the 2022 NFL season. We are kicking off Thursday with you. So welcome to the show. I'm very excited to have you. Thanks for having me. Uh, When you reached out to this podcast, I was super excited about it and just uh, love talking about this type of stuff. And I feel like I don't get to nearly enough. So excited to kick off the season with you. Fantastic. We really want to highlight women in sports. And I think a lot of us generally not just women, just don't have that opportunity to really tell people about how we started. And I think it's inspiring for people who want to work in the industry to, to hear about those things. So with that, let's jump in and have you start by taking us through your professional journey. Well, I feel like I would have to go back like really, really far um, <laughs> to when I was a little kid. Um, I was always a huge reader. Uh, I was kind of like Rory Gilmore. If you watch Gilmore Girls, mm-hmm people this all the time there's a whole episode of Gilmore Girls about how Rory is in high school and all she wants to do at lunch is read Mm -hmm. Uh, that literally happened to me like people came up to me and told me I needed to stop reading so much and talk to people and in my mind just like hers in the tv show I said I have I have friends I just I like reading there's nothing wrong with that and one of my friends from high school we were talking the other day we talked about that's how we met, um, the third grade teacher had her come over and talk to me. And I say that just to say, you know, I was always a big reader. I just, I loved it. My third grade teacher said when we had this creative writing project that I was going to be a writer one day. And it's just kind of funny what people see in you that you don't necessarily see in yourself. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like a lot of my professional journey has been that way. You know, my, my teacher told me I was going to be a writer. I was, um, I did journalism in high school. Like I was uh, one of the editors of the school newspaper, but I still didn't really know like what I wanted to do with my life. I don't think most people do at 17 or 18. (laughs) So I majored in journalism when I went to LSU, but I wasn't quite sure that's the direction of my life. And I had a professor my freshman year in one of my media writing classes say, well, you should go write for the school newspaper. And, you know, I'm 18. I said, I don't... I don't want to be tied down writing for a paper. <laughs> I, I want to have fun. I want to enjoy college. And somehow he convinced me that I should do it. So I went and to, took our, we had a test that you had to take and then you had to do like a, a writing test as well. And so basically you applied for each section. So I applied for writing and or news and sports. And I happened to get sports. Now I'd always been a huge sports fan. I grew up going to LSU games with my dad and I was that person at 13 years old who was watching Notre Dame and Hawaii at like midnight because mm-hmm. it mattered because of uh, BCS rankings to get LSU to the national championship that year. So it was kind of a natural fit, even though I wasn't, you know, insistent on being a sports writer. I was happy to get the job. Right. <laughs> and, um, you know, kind of from there, it was what I was saying 
all these like people coming up to me and kind of realizing the next step for me before I realized it myself. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live embedding, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And I started as a writer at that paper. I was a writer for a couple of years and I spent a lot of time in that newsroom. It was in the basement of Hodges Hall at LSU. Okay. I remember my senior year kind of thinking, you know, there's got to be more to life than being in this basement. I was watching, <laughs> you know, like hang out outside and have fun. And I just didn't know where my life was going to go, even though I loved my job a lot. But, you know, I would be coming home late after working at the paper and there'd be mm-hmm. people in my apartment, like, you know, having fun and going out. And so it was kind of a crossroads and the editor of the paper came up to me and he said, you need to be our sports editor. And I was like, no, no, no. You know, I might actually not even stay at the paper. I might mm-hmm. do something else. And he, and he said, no, you're the right person to be a sports editor. And so I stayed and it turned out to be the best decision for me because I kind of went from sports, from sports editor of the paper, my uh, final semester at LSU to writing for the Times Picayune right out of college. And I had interned at the Picayune when mm-hmm. I was um, a junior. So I, when I was tw- 20 years old, it's really sad how I can't remember <laughs> my own age anymore. Oh, it happens to all of us. <laughs> <laughs> no. The other day I was 31 and then I realized I was 32. <laughs> You're like, oh, wait, I had a birthday. Well, happy birthday to me. <laughs> oh, wait, I actually am a year older than I thought. Great. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So I, I interned at the newspaper. I know I'm kind of jumping around, but... No, uh, but it's, it's good. I'd interned at the paper um, when I was a junior, and I had only even applied for that internship because I thought, hey, I can go put my face in front of these editors, and maybe when I'm older, I'll get it, like maybe the next year. And I ended up getting the internship, even though I totally thought I bombed the interview. <laughs> which I found out later that I did. Uh, I was told <laughs> but my, you did get the inter- internship. I was told by my editor years later, I was a terrible interview, but their, my writing was good. So I guess they took a chance on me. I don't mm-hmm. know. This was at a time, 2012, 2011, 2012, when newspapers, uh, newspapers are going through obviously a big crisis now, but this was kind of another pivotal turning point back then when they hadn't quite switched to digital and they didn't have any money. So mm-hmm. on down to one LSU beat writer and the other beat writer was now an intern. So they went from two full-time beat writers to a full-time beat writer. And then this 20, uh, 20, 21 year old college girl who was now basically doing all the jobs that a normal paid beat writer would do, which mm-hmm. was great for me. I don't know if it was so great for my beat partner, even though he ended up, uh, he was wonderful and we had, uh, we'd had and have a great relationship to this day. But I got so much experience out of it. I was doing that while juggling being the 
uh, deputy sports editor at the time before I became a sports editor. And it uh, worked out because that spring, even though they told me they would never have the money to hire me, they switched to a three days a week schedule, uh, moved to digital, a bunch of things happened. And basically they were able to hire me to be a general sports writer. And I got promoted to the Saints beat a year later. That's so amazing. Yeah, things happened really, really quickly and in a way that I, I didn't expect. I actually got the job. Weirdly, I'm convinced of this. I got the job because of all things I could cover horse racing. And they, yeah, they, they didn't want a full-time horse racing rider anymore. We used to have those. Oh yeah. my gosh, that's really amazing. Isn't that crazy? And I could cover horse racing. Like I love horse racing. So it was like this weird, unique thing that I could do, but I could also cover football. So they had mm-hmm. the, the, um, the backup Saints writer, I think. is I was a general sports writer, but I was really the backup Saints writer. I covered the visiting team stories on like during home games, and then I would back up the normal Saints writer when he had to go do other things, and that was the Bounty Gate year, so he was always gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they, they made me the Saints writer a year later. Spent we were a like of- the Taysom Hill of this newspaper. You could do horse writing. Horse racing, you were the backup Saints writer. They put you in when they needed you. It was great. So I always tell people, like, if you have some weird thing you can cover, it, the more you can do, the better, because you never know what they're going to want. And, um, yeah, and I, I, I still cover horse racing to this day. Um, do you? Yeah, a little bit. I did it for the athletics. So I spent three years in the paper. I went to ESPN to cover the Bengals. Uh, then came home to cover the Saints for the Athletic and then rejoined ESPN this summer. And every stop, I've written some horse racing because there's really not many people left that do that. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of a way like I can help my employers out without them having to try to go hunt someone down and um, find a person to write it. And I actually love doing it. Like it's it's a such a different departure from the NFL. It's kind of fun to... I get to go cover the Kentucky Derby or the Breeders' Cup or or, or whatever. Um, so kind that's, of yeah, but it's been fun. That's awesome. And and I want to go back to that for a second because something we do talk a lot about on this podcast, especially a lot of times this comes up in positions with people who are in digital. And obviously the more you can do, the can, you can edit and film and write and produce and all of the things. But you bring up a really good point. You have this other skill that you enjoy doing that maybe that is why you got the job. Maybe it's not, but it probably didn't hurt that you at that point could do something else. And I I love what you said. If you have something that you think is maybe a little bit different or quirky or in your head, not you, but the universal views, head weird, embrace it because that is what makes you you and unique and it's a competitive industry and you want to give yourself every advantage. Absolutely. And unfortunately, and we just, we've just seen this with, the yet another round of Gannett layoffs, they want to be able to consolidate positions as much as possible. And mm-hmm. looking at ESPN and really honestly anywhere, if you're at a local TV station, you will run into this a million times. We are one, oh, one man bands. So yeah. you need to know how to do a bunch of things. Like when I go live on TV or film a TV hit, it's usually just me. So I'm the one, you know, trying to get, the camera angles right and and writing what I'm going to say and, and all of that and so anytime unfortunately you can, you can find a way to consolidate and have one person do more it, it's going to help you get a job uh, as much as it's there's definitely downsides to that but it's a fact of life I guess it is it's a fact of the industry and you, you want to be careful that you don't want to get taken advantage of of course but 
having yeah. another skill and something that can help you do more. I mean, it's, it's interesting as long as we're kicking off football season, no pun intended or pun intended. You know, a lot of times we talk about like, I, I'm a beat writer cover the 49ers and when it comes down to the 53 man roster, Kyle Shanahan says it's a lot. And I'm sure every coach says it's a lot. It's just, I happen to cover this team. And Shanahan will say a lot that someone will make it because he can play defense and special teams. And those so are the guy who could just play corner or whatever got cut because they need that. It's the same thing in this part of the industry. Really? Even if that's a great analogy, because even if you're a decent, say you're a decent veteran cornerback and you're trying to get that number five, uh, position on the roster. Usually, mm-hmm. as you know, there's usually like five safeties, five supporters. If you don't play special teams and you're a backup, even if you're good, you're not going to make the team. Mm-hmm. So it's true. It applies in every industry. It, abs- it absolutely does. So that was my little ode to the NFL as a kickoff. Yay, kickoff. So <laughs> with that in mind, I want to, something you said earlier kind of goes into my next question. I was going to ask you about you know, t- tips on building relationships in the industry. And you had mentioned when you went for the internship, you thought, well, maybe one day, maybe I'm older. So I have a co- two things. A, you say you bombed the interview, but your writing was so good. And so I'd love for you to speak to the idea of letting your work speak for you. Because at the end of the day, if your work is good, that is what matters the most. And second, how you were able to build those relationships as an intern and then you know, parlay it into a job and how those lessons have helped you as you've gone further in your career? I realize that was like three questions in one, but. No, I mean, I, I was trying to, I was skipping over a lot of stuff um, while I was trying to explain the career path, I guess. And so I'm glad you brought it back up because one of the ways I not only got to be a better writer, but maybe proved myself to the Times Picayune is that after I got that internship, they offered me the opportunity to cover high school football on Friday nights. And I believe they paid me $75 a game, which at the time, oh my gosh, I was making $15 a story at the Reveille. So I thought $75 to write a story was just an, an outrageous. You're like, I can retire. This is amazing. <laughs> no, it's, it's crazy to think back. And so <laughs> I was based in Baton Rouge. All these games were in New Orleans or on the outskirts of New Orleans. So I would spend every Friday night driving an hour there and then an hour back. So when you think about gas prices, you're probably, I don't know, making $40 at the end. Something like that. Our gas prices back then. And so I would go cover high school football games. And look, I was really bad at it. Like at the beginning, it was very hard. I encourage anyone to cover high school football. It is one of the hardest things you'll ever do. Mm -hmm. You don't have somebody taking stats for you. You have to do it yourself. Usually don't have Wi-Fi. I mean, I've written games in my car in a parking lot. I've been at every McDonald's on the outskirts of New Orleans possible. And at first, I really didn't like doing it because I wasn't good at it. But I knew it was going to make me better. So every Friday night, I would drive somewhere in New Orleans and cover the game. And a lot of times, my dad went with me. That's awesome. Yeah, because he he was like, you're going to drive? You don't even... You're driving an hour away to this random high school. I'm coming with you. <laughs> That's yeah, really it was, sweet. It was very sweet of him. Um, at the time, though, you know, of course, I'm probably rolling my eyes. But um, right. but I think that it, it helped me learn to ride on the deadline. Because mm-hmm. sometimes, you get, I'm not kidding, you've probably ran into this. Sometimes you get 15 minutes to write an entire story. Because mm-hmm. with high school football, you can't really write as you go because you're trying to take stats. Right. And so it's all, it's actually, it's, it's fun, but it's hard. 
And so I think maybe they realized in me like that I had a really good work ethic and I wasn't going to turn down assignments and that I maybe wasn't the best at that, but I was improving. And so <laughs> I think that and then taking every freelance assignment that Picayune gave me kind of helped build that relationship to when it came time to hire me, they didn't really have, they knew me, they didn't have any doubts about me, I guess. And with the internship specifically, I think they were, I uh, interviewed for a couple of internships. They all used to come down to the basement and they talked to all of us. And I don't think, I didn't get any of them except for that one. So it only takes one. Mm -hmm. It, It speaks to always, uh, maintaining those relationships over no matter if you're a college student or you've been in the business 10 years, because maintaining those relationships is how I was able to go back to ESPN after I left for another company and, and just things like that. You never know who your boss, your boss today could end up being your boss somewhere else, which mm-hmm. has happened to me actually, you know, one of my bosses at ESPN went to the athletic after I joined. So you never, never burn bridges. Um, so that was part one of the question. So I think the others was, how do you build relationships around the NFL? I think, yeah. And how do you build those relationships? Like how have you kind of learned to build those relationships around the NFL? Because I do ask all of our journalists and media that, that come on, because I think it's just such an important thing, building relationships with coaches and players and front office people is so important, but you also have to do it in a way you don't want people to think you're just coming to them when you need something or want something. And there's a very specific way to do it. So I ask everybody for their tips because I think we all do it differently and we probably all do it well, but we could all learn from each other. And so, especially for our younger listeners who are looking to get in this industry and it's something that you start learning in college, if you are working for your paper, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to repeat, I was going to say exactly what you said. You need to be able to go to people when you don't need something. Now that's easier said than done. I still struggle with it sometimes because in the NFL, maintaining relationships with agents is a very big thing. But sometimes it's hard to build up that relationship when there's, I don't know, hundreds of agents and you can't talk to all of them. And so it's easier for me, I think, to build up the relationships with players and coaches because I'm around them more. I actually have a, a great story I tell about my relationship with Sean Payton, because when I started covering the Saints, uh, it, it wasn't great. Uh, I think that I annoyed him because I was always asking injury questions. And no, there's nothing coaches love more than injury right. questions. So I was just that annoying 23 year old who was always bugging him about injured players. <laughs> and so I, at the NFL scouting combine, the following spring. I've, I guess, found out like what bar they like to hang out at and then mm-hmm. ran into them. Smart. So, yeah, mm-hmm. ran into them. And so then, you know, we, we talked it out, you know, about how he had to maintain a persona as a coach and how I was, you know, more than just this annoying person asking injury questions. And once that we were able to see each other as humans, it, it was so much better. And no, you're not always going to be able to run into a person at a bar and like have these talks. But this face-to-face interaction, it just helps so much. And that's one of the things that you do four to five times a week in the locker room. Mm-hmm. I was recently able to write this 
piece on Teron Armstead about this significant loss in his life. That's the former Saints left tackle. And it's only because I built up the relationship over 10 years, covering him when he was a rookie, maintaining the relationship when I left, and then maintaining it when I came back. And sometimes it, it helps when you're not around that team anymore, because then you don't need anything from them, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You are you can be friendlier, I guess, because there's always kind of a line, at least in my mind, friendly, but not friends. Right. So then you can just, when you run into them, you can, at games, you can talk about life and, and things like that. And so it's a, it's a big matter of trust that's built up. And sometimes it takes a very long time, but you know, when I'm in the locker room, I love to just go up to guys and just talk about things that have nothing to do with football. I was talking to Cam Jordan about um, rollerblading the other day. Of all <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and we talk about Nintendo. We were talking about Nintendo the other day. Yeah, yeah. I, and that is that is you know that's a fun thing, and and it is important to find those things that you can talk about. And you said something that I think is really important when you come face to face, you're both humans. And I think for people, especially when you're first coming into the industry, there's this idea that like the athlete is larger than life, but he or she is just a person with a life. I mean, what Tom Brady said a couple weeks ago was a hundred percent correct. When he said, I'm 45 years old, I got a lot of shit going on. Like it's true of everybody, whether you're 20, 25, 40, 45, it doesn't matter. And when you can connect on that kind of level, and remember that, yeah, we're all people here to treat them like people. That's the difference. Right. I think that's all they really want. You yeah. know, most these athletes get upset when you write negative things about them. That happens. They are human mm-hmm. beings. Yeah. Uh, they, get their hurt, they get their feelings hurt just like we do when we see things written about mm-hmm. us on Twitter. But I think they respect you when they know that it's not coming from a place where you're, you know, purposely trying to take shots at them. You know, if you're honest and fair and you show up day after day, I I think they, for the most part, they respect that. Now you have a few that it just, yeah, they're just sensitive and that's, you know, that's okay. Everyone's different. Um, But I really just think that they just want you to be fair at the end of the day. And I think honest and fair is is the right way to do it. And I think now, especially in this world, and we're going to get to this in a minute, of Twitter and social media and clickbait and all of that, if you are honest and fair, because that is your job as a journalist. You know, I always feel like my job as a beat reporter is when the team is doing things well, that should be acknowledged, that should be praised. That's They're doing things well and it's working. When they're not, you have to be honest about that too. But if you are honest and fair, people will respect you more. If it's just for clicks, et cetera, then they won't. And I think that's an important thing because I think especially in today's world, there is this idea that you got to go after them and everything's got to be a hot take. And that's not really how you're going to build relationships and build a career that's satisfying. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I've had things told to me by players and coaches that would have been, would have made a great story. I've had mm-hmm. Tell me that I could write the story and then they'll call back in, I don't know, an hour or a day and say, you know what, actually, I just, I don't want that to be a story. And you have to respect that. Now you mm-hmm. could, you could go for it and say, well, no, you told me and I'm going to write it. And that's mm-hmm. that. well, then you will never be trusted again. No story. I think the relationship is always more important than 
almost always more important than the story. I, I wanted to kind of walk that back a little bit because, you know, there are some stories that have to be yes. written no matter what and yes. they're not happy about it. And that's, you know, that's too bad. But there are some things, especially when it comes to personal issues mm-hmm. or personal things in the subject or covering's life. I mean, they're kind of, they're trusting you to tell them to, they're trusting you to tell their story. And that's not more important than the relationship if they decide, no, actually, I don't want that to be written. Right. No, I think that's true. And I, I think it's knowing the difference. I think that's important too. And, and I think there's are sometimes, there are things people have said to me before that I know if I were a different kind of person or a different kind of journalist could be huge, but I also know that would make me not the person I am and I don't want to be that person. And that's okay. Right. It's not a judgment on someone else. It's just not who I am. And I'm okay with that. Right. Everyone approaches these things differently. And, you know, some, <laughs> most of the time, you can't really say there's a good or a bad way to do it. Uh, but like everything in life, there's, you know, some approaches I don't agree with. And I just mm-hmm. don't agree with doing things to, like you said, for hot takes or, or whatever. I mean, I want people that read me to believe that if I write it, that is how I feel or that mm-hmm. I'm saying it with confidence or, you know, that they can trust me to give them the real side of the story. So I don't, I don't subscribe to the clickbait theory or whatever, because those things are so fleeting. Like, great. You mm-hmm. have a big story. Well, 24 hours later, everyone's moved on to something else. And no one's talking to you. And right. I don't mean like everyone's mad at you. I mean, like no one's talking to you and it's going to be very difficult for you to get your next story. So that's right. something to keep in mind. It's not about people being mad, but yeah. It's built, it's always back, goes back to the relationship. So that, that brings me to uh, a little bit of, of social media talk, which is a big part of our interest, our, our industry. I can speak with that one, our industry. And one thing that I think is very interesting about the time that you came into the industry is like you said, newspapers were in crisis. Twitter around the time period you were talking about, Twitter was a few years old, but it was really picking up steam. I would say at that point and social media was really becoming even more of a thing. Instagram was becoming more of a thing, all of that. So I feel like you came into the industry at a very interesting time for what, what it has become today and what we use social media for. So all of that long wording introduction is to say, how do you navigate that? What is your feeling on muting replies, not looking at the mentions? If someone says something awful, do you ignore it? Do you retweet it and call them out? Everybody has a different philosophy. So I, I just like hearing kind of how people approach it? Um, so my philosophy on that has changed a lot over the years. If you read my Twitter now, I tweet a lot. And, you know, I like to mostly keep things light on Twitter. And I interact mm-hmm. with fans a lot. I read every reply that I get. Okay. So, um, I read almost every reply. I have taken a step back in recent years of, you know, reading some mean tweet and retweeting it and having some snarky reply ready to go. Very occasionally I'll do that now, but I used to do it all the time. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like a lesson I had to learn. And I had so many talks about this with colleagues and, you know, people in the industry, especially when I was young and, you know, just starting out, they were always telling me, you've got to stop getting so upset over what people tell you on Twitter, because, you know, as a woman in this industry, you know, people are mean 
Mm-hmm. It, and it still gets to me sometimes, not as much as it used to, but oh, there was like one last year that someone tweeted at me and it made me start to tear up. You know, sometimes when you're not having a good day and you get on Twitter, mm-hmm. someone sh- for no reason, for no reason, they just say something like, I think you're really ugly. <laughs> yeah, it just like, it, like hurts, you know? And I just don't understand what comes over a person. They're like, you know what I'm going to tweet today? This this yeah. is how I'm spending my day. But it's just, it's so awful. It. People are awful. I'm sorry that happened. I, mean, <laughs> I, I used to get so upset. And I think that my colleagues, like I said, I used to talk to them all the time about this. And it, it does matter, but also it doesn't. Like you have mm-hmm. to realize if someone is sitting on their computer and for no reason tweeting this thing at a stranger, they have bigger things going on in their lives. For sure. And honestly, their opinion doesn't really matter. Like the people, my, the pin, the people, I can't talk, but the opinions <laughs> that matter to me are my bosses. Are they mm-hmm. happy with what I'm doing? My friends and family. And, you know, the people I report on and report around, but people are going to be mean, especially if you ever have a tweet that goes viral and Mm -hmm. then the team's fans come in. Oh my gosh. That, that I usually, like I said, I do read every reply, but sometimes with, in those situations, I kind of like take a step back for a minute and try not to to do that. But it's hard because I like to see what people have to say. The one thing one thing I stopped doing is I stopped. I used to read message boards. I stopped Don't doing do that. Long time ago. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> if you're uh, young and new in the industry, please don't read message boards. It's not helpful. My watch keeps going off. Serious, serious, trying to give me advice. Uh, She's like, "Don't read the message boards." <laughs> I read, I read um, a message board post about myself, like two or three weeks into covering the saints for the first time. I knew it was coming too. Mm-hmm. And then I got on the message board that day and there it is, you know, mm-hmm. who is, who is this newbie writer? Cause she's terrible. And I, I don't do that anymore. I think there was a tipping point. I read some posts and it was just about how annoying I was and like how they hated the sound of my voice. And I just thought to myself, I don't need to read this anymore. I don't need to go yeah. looking for the things people say about me. So um, everyone handles this differently. And some people have thicker skin than others, but you got to have, a, you got, you got a pretty thick skin to be in this business and let it roll off your back if that's possible. Well, I think with that in mind, uh, if you could give our listeners one piece of advice for getting started in this industry, what would it be? I think it would just be what I alluded to earlier you have to have reps in this industry, whatever way you can get them. So write and write and write and write and, and take every opportunity that's given to you if you're able to do so. Or, you know, if you want to go on TV, same thing. Um, get those TV reps. And look, not everyone, it's such an easy thing to say. Not everyone is afforded the same opportunities to be able to go do this. Mm-hmm. But the good thing is that there are so many new avenues of doing that that maybe weren't necessarily available like when we got started or when when I got started in, in 2012. The digital space has changed so much that you can put yourself out there easier than maybe I was doing and just taking as many opportunities from the local paper and local college newspaper. Um, 
I, when I was a freshman in college, someone, I think one of the editors in the New York Times came to talk to us. And the first thing they said was, grades don't matter. It's all practical experience. And in this industry, mm-hmm. I've really found that to be true. Mm-hmm. I personally, if I don't write for a few weeks, I start to feel really rusty. And I've been doing this forever. So like, just take as many opportunities as you possibly can and just realize that at the end of the day, it's your body of work they're going to look at, whether mm-hmm. that's writing clips or your TV reps or your, your radio reps. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have people, co- great colleagues my age that are still doing the same thing because they have a job, but they are trying to expand their portfolio or maybe keep moving up in the business. And, and they have to do the same things that we had to do when we were maybe 20 years old, just in a different way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe it's cliche, but, you know, just try to get as much experience as possible, even if that's, you know, driving an hour to cover a high school football game. Well, some things are cliche for a reason. And I agree with you. That is what it comes down to. And we do live in a world. You could go on Instagram and do, you could do reps. You could do an Instagram live. You could do stories. You could do a post, a reel of covering a game, whatever it is, doing a TV hit. And that's, it's, it's all helpful stuff. What is a misstep that you see women making when coming into the industry? I think that maybe, I think maybe not understanding that there is room for all of us and Mm -hmm. maybe looking at other women in the industry as your competition or someone threatening you rather than just another person that one, you could probably bounce ideas off of Mm -hmm. another person trying to get a job just like anyone else. I think that, some people can be territorial that way because so many of us have worked so hard to get to where we are. And it almost feels like there's, there can be a sense that, you know, there's not enough room for everyone. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's true. Like we just talked about, there's so many different and new opportunities that open up all the time because the industry is changing so much. And so, you know, I, ha- there's women in this industry. I talk to every single day because we kind of have a unique experience of the things we talked about, the social media insults, trying to navigate this world as um, navigate this world and this business when there's not that many of us yet. Mm -hmm. So that would probably be the thing I would say. It's hard to say like general missteps because we all make so many mistakes. That's true. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, when I was thinking about that question, it was hard for me to come up with one thing because I know I've made a million mistakes and like you just kind of learn from them. Um, I guess maybe another cliche, but you do. Uh, I mean, I, a few years ago, it was I think it was 2019, it was either 2019 or 2018. Maybe it was 2019, so I've been doing this a little while and we all have our moments and we were post game press conference after the Rams game. It was definitely 2019 because the Niners have now, they're like 7-0. You know, everyone's like, where is this team coming from? Mm-hmm. And there are, as you know, there were two Jimmys. Well, there still are two Jimmys on the team. There's Jimmy Garoppolo and Jimmy Ward. So I'm asking Kyle Shannon about Jimmy Ward and I don't know what was wrong with me. Like I said, I've been doing this at this point for years. And the question was, you know, just you know, with Jimmy Ward, he had an incredible game. Like, what have you seen from him? He's battled back from injuries. And I could not get the words out. And I finally was just like, Jimmy Ward, can you talk about him? Like, I just couldn't, I don't know what's wrong with me. 
with me. But luckily, he's a Belgian nice person. So, and but it was it was so funny. But I was like, you know what? And I was so embarrassed. And I was sitting next to a colleague, and I was like, I'm I just am so embarrassed. And he was like, it's really not that big a deal. Like it happens to all of us. And as time went on, it does happen to all of us. It, to yeah. the most experienced person that you have the most respect for to anybody, it totally happens. But I just remember being like, what is the matter with me? But I got my answer. I got it out. Jimmy Ward, go for it. Jimmy Ward, go. Word association. All the time. All but the it time. happens. Something like that happened to me on live TV. I was, <laughs> I was doing a, a TV hit when I was with the Bengals. And uh, we were doing that hit like differently than I was used to because I was so new and inexperienced at it. Mm-hmm. And I could not get this one word out of my mouth. And I kept repeating it. I think it took me three tries to get the word out. And it's live TV. So you just have to sit there and take it like everything's going great. Uh So I I spit it out, finish the hit. I pull my IFB out and look at the producer. And she goes, it wasn't as bad as you thought. And (laughs) it, it, like someone talking about Twitter, someone got on Twitter. Oh God! Thirty seconds later, and said you should be fired. They had found my Twitter handle that fast and told me I should be fired, and it was so embarrassing. But I had literally had one person comment on it, and I had to tell myself: even veterans that have done this for decades mess up on live TV. It's live TV, but in your mind, it's the biggest deal in the world. We all do these things. I ask the dumbest questions sometimes and I'm getting it out and I'm just thinking in my head, this is so stupid. Why did they just ask that? Well, but I always think in fairness, because we get a lot, and I don't know if you guys get this on the Saints beat, we get a lot on Twitter. Like the beat beat reporters don't ask good questions or they don't ask the right questions or whatever it is. And when you're not there every day and you're not doing it, you don't really understand how how it goes. And sometimes we do have to ask, quote unquote, I wouldn't call them maybe dumb questions. I'm going to go with, more obvious questions because at the end of the day we can't quote ourselves we have to quote that and so sometimes you have to ask the question that feels like oh my gosh that answer is so obvious but yeah but I can't say it I can't be like well I think so and so is really it you know like you so you need to get that answer sometimes you need the coach to say yes I wanted to bench him or yes I thought he played whatever it is I'm not coming up with great examples right now but Sometimes you need to do that. And I feel like sometimes we all have to give ourselves a break on that. Because sometimes I worry about that too. And something I will insert, this is about you, but this I think is helpful to listeners. Something I used to do in the beginning, and it took me a few years to get over this. And part of that I think was, this was my first beat. This is my first beat in college. I covered sports in college, but the 49ers is actually my first like beat. So that felt like a big deal when I first got there. And I felt like in the very beginning, like I shouldn't, I don't know, not that I shouldn't be there, but I should learn. And I think there's something to be said for that. First of all, there is something from reading the room and learning from your colleagues who've been there and observing and taking it in because it will make you better. But there were a number of times at the beginning where I'd be like, oh, I have this question, but I think it's a dumb question. I'm not going to ask it. And then inevitably, the next person who had been doing this from the Chronicle, NBC, ESPN, Examiner, whatever, I could name a million things would ask the question and it was not a dumb question and it was, and having that confidence and the world will not come to an end. If you do ask a question, it's a dumb question. It's going to be okay. You'll keep going. Absolutely. I actually have another funny story about that. Last year, um, the saints were playing the Titans. They had this controversial 
roughing the passer call. Mm-hmm. And they lost, and it was a really important game for them. So it turned out they didn't make the playoffs. So Sean Payton came down. He was just in a terrible mood. And when Payton's in a bad mood, he will he will leave if there is like five seconds of silence. Oh yeah. You know, we get down there, and he's already. You could just tell it's one of those days. And so I was trying to get a question out so he would just stay in the room, and he just snaps at me. It was about. Um, see, I'm trying to remember what it's about. It's funny these things blur together. It was something about where they going to use this specific player on the two point conversion or something. I don't even remember. And Baden looks at me and he goes, I'm not going to tell you what the play was, Catherine. So of course, you know, that's the clip they circulate on um, like NFL network or, or ESPN mm-hmm. or whatnot. And you get all these people uh, texting you. Oh my gosh, what just happened? And it's really not a big deal. Peyton actually did text me and was saying he was just in a bad mood. Obviously. Mm-hmm this loss and you know life went on but in your mind you're like great now you know you're gonna get the people on social media telling you you asked a stupid question but in reality in your head you're like this coach is going to leave this podium if you do not mm-hmm. get out of your mouth in the next three seconds and it kind of makes our job funny right like it does it's just these like funny nuances and in that moment it seems like a huge deal but it's it's really not like He's a he's a human being that's incredibly frustrated because they just lost an important game. Mm-hmm. We're just trying to get him talking so then he can start asking the other questions, and um, sometimes it all comes out wrong, and you all laugh about it. And sometimes just because they don't like the question doesn't make it a bad question. Right, right. <laughs> you know, I mean, but that's, that's always a good reminder. Which is hard. That was another one that was hard for me in the beginning too, when you would ask the tough question and the very beginning, and someone maybe would snap. Yeah, just because they snapped didn't make it a bad question. In fact, one can make the argument if they snapped, it may have been a very good question. So you could always happy with you. Are you actually doing your job correctly? There's, I think, there you go. I think that's something to to keep in mind. Um, Before I let you go, we have two more things we have to do, uh, which are kind of two of my favorite parts of any episode. So, but this has been amazing. So I don't know that I'm going to have a favorite part of this episode because it's all been so good, but. My two of my favorite things is first and foremost, day in the life. And it can be any day you want. It could be a practice day. It could be a game day. It could be a complete off day so that you want to go through like, what is it you do on that day to prepare, but would love to get kind of a day in the life of you. Well, I'm actually trying to think back to last week because last week was insanity. But you mm-hmm. can have totally normal, boring weeks in the NFL, but you could also have a week like last week where it's literally something going on every day. So I don't even know if I'd be able to like recount this day because I think it was last Monday, but <laughs> I remember I was working, I think I'd gotten up really early to work on this long-term feature that I'm doing. Like we like to work ahead sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I think I was up trying to finish that. I had a 10 a.m. call with my boss. Like we talked once a week around that time. It was cut down day. So maybe it was, maybe it was Tuesday. So Tuesday, yeah. It already blurs together. It does. Well, that, that was such a crazy day. No, it always is. So I'm, I'm talking to my boss and I always have Twitter up. Like I'm on Twitter 24 seven and I just see out of the corner of my eye, like something pop up on either my phone or the computer. And it said CJ Garden Johnson just got traded. So I remember I told my boss, I was like, I have to go right now. So, <laughs> you know, I, I hang up. And so then the first thing, you know, the first thing you do is you have to 
confirm that news if you're not the one breaking it. So you're working to confirm. And then with us, um, we have a news desk for breaking news. And so myself and the Eagles writer are both kind of trying to confirm and write the story from our perspective. So then I need to write background on what happened with CJ Gardner Johnson specifically. It was kind of dating back to this contract issue they'd had at the beginning of camp. So then you go on Twitter and you provide context. Why was this player traded? Was it a surprise? Was it not a surprise? And so that's happening. And then you have to prepare to go to access in a few hours. Dennis Allen had already had scheduled access. So then what, you know, what you want to be doing is that needs to be the first question to ask. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gardner Johnson get traded. I don't even think that I asked any other question that day. Cause in my mind, that was the important question. So yeah. Then you write off his reaction. And so at that Around that time, you know, player cuts are supposed to are starting to come down. That they're trying to trim, trim to fifty three. So you're spending all of that time that day calling agents, calling sources, uh, getting confirmation, seeing who got cut, and it was just one thing after another. And it is one of the craziest days of the year. Thank God it's not on Saturday anymore. Oh gosh, yes. Yeah, because then you're, you're working till um, probably I don't know. 7 p.m. on that day, depending on when the final cut comes down. The Saints used to wait. Um, and that NFL tra- transaction wire on that day is usually very late. Mm-hmm. They wire came out, so it could be like 8 p.m. So that all happened that day. And then like a couple days later, right before access again, news breaks that a, play- uh, a player had been arrested. Um, another defensive back, which was great timing, considering they just traded one of theirs away. And mm-hmm. so it's you always have something going on. There's always a possibility that you could be having a normal day and your whole day is going to be upended. When Alvin Kamara got arrested, that happened at um, around like 10 p.m. Like mm-hmm. I was actually going to sleep. I remember hearing the Slack message. And you're I was like, oh, gosh. Oh, no. I turned over and looked at it. And then that's what you're doing the rest of the night. But, you know, I love it. It's every day is different. Mm-hmm. Um, day is uh, off day, but who knows what might happen for the rest of the day. Who but, knows? I always, I, I joke that player's day off is Tracy's day off, but not really. But, but, but I try to, I try to schedule like appointments that day if I can. Uh, but it's, it's always, you just never know. You never know what might happen. Actually for Labor Day, I took a little social media break, a short one, uh, but I take a little social media break just before the season started. I wanted to just be Friday and Saturday, like off of social media. And I said to a colleague, can you please let me know if someone gets arrested, traded, injured, released, any, anything that could happen? Nothing did, but I was like, I won't be on Twitter. I won't be paying attention. So uh, everything worked out, but I, you know, you get in the habit. And so I would find myself opening my phone and being like, well, let's take a quick look just to make sure nothing major is going on. Oh, the thing on my phone that tells me how long I spend on my phone and my computer is terrifying. You talk about, oh, I don't look at that. No, no. There's certain things I don't need to know in life. And that's absolutely one of them. <laughs> I brought a laptop into my friend's, uh, wedding rehearsal last March, because that was the week that the saints were pursuing Deshaun Watson. So my laptop went everywhere with me. I was literally sitting in the church with a laptop. My friends know me since college. Uh, she's my little sister, my sorority, and she was just laughing and asking if I needed to go. I mean, Not yet. <laughs> yeah, I was, well, they had, it had just come out that 
the Saints weren't getting him. The Saints okay. had gotten him. That wedding could have been a very, very different day for me. <laughs> different experience. Yeah. You know, it's, it's ups and downs. I, that stuff is crazy, but I wouldn't trade the crazy for anything. Like you might never get a holiday off. I think we get 4th of July off. But Yeah, that's pretty much, that's in our six-week break. Yeah, it's, uh, it's so fun, though. Like, all the Christmases and Thanksgivings and Christmas mm-hmm. Eve I miss, I, it's all worth it to me. Even now, this is, I was tweeting to someone today about how my first game that I covered um, for the Saints, our first Saints game I covered was uh, that game against RG3 at the Superdome in 2012. And it hit me that that was in years ago. Wow. And yet still think it's the best job. Like still when I sit in that stadium or any stadium and I'm like, wow, I get to, I get to write about this game. Like I get to watch mm-hmm. this game. I get to write about it. I get to tell people what happened and I get paid to do this. And I think when that feeling goes away, it's probably when you should get another job. I would agree. And I said to a colleague of mine, I said, boy, this team we've seen, some pretty incredible football games. I mean, in 2019, we had the game against the Saints, the game against the Seahawks, like that Super Bowl. I mean, the the NFC Championship last year, the game in Green Bay last year. I mean, there's so many games. I'm like, I'm really lucky. And I think in 2018 was a day I was covering Monday Night Football in Green Bay. It was October. It was unseasonably cold, as everybody told us everywhere we went. It's unseasonably cold. And I was on the field pregame. And I was like, I have a really cool job. Like yeah. thinking about it gives me goosebumps. You're like you, and sometimes we forget, uh, and it's fun. It's fun to get to remember. Well, Catherine, this has been awesome. I have just loved talking to you. You are just your candor and your inspiration and everything. It's just been fabulous. But before I let you go for real this time, uh, we have to do five fun facts. And this is something I started with the 49ers players and with them. We do a video and they get to share like five fun facts about themselves that you wouldn't otherwise know. But in this show, we ask everybody the same five questions every week and it's become, well, a lot of fun. So without further ado, five fun facts. What is your favorite moment in sports? I had a lot of answers to this and I wasn't sure which one. Okay. Um, A couple. Um, I got to cover the 2015 uh, Triple Crown win. Mm-hmm. And is actually framed on my wall right next to me. As I said, big horse racing fan. That was one of the coolest moments um, I've been in in sports. I was so excited that I got to write about it. And, you know, we talk about being lucky. I remember being uh, at Belmont Park and watching American Pharaoh come down the home stretch. And it was just, it was so cool. Uh, as a fan, I'm a big LSU fan. So, mm-hmm. Probably, I mean, the national championships would be obvious, but one of the most fun games I have ever been to was LSU, Florida, 2007. LSU had to convert five fourth downs to win. It was the most tense game I've ever been at. It was so fun. And it was in Tiger Stadium. And it's like those moments you remember just forever. You know, I, and that was still, that was when I was 17. Mm-hmm. I'm a reporter. And as a reporter, sometimes some of the shine wears off, I guess. Right. You know this. And so when I remember that, though, it's just like a very pure memory of just like loving sports and how fun they can be. Um, same thing with I was not at this game. I was very young. But um, Warren Morris's walk off home run in the College World Series. 
is like still to this day a big deal for LSU fans. And it's kind of obtained this legendary status. And I got to go to Omaha in 2017 with my dad, who's now passed away. And so I got to take him, you know, to the place where that Mm -hmm. happened. And we went to Rosenblatt or what remains of Rosenblatt. It is now mostly a parking lot um, and kind of stand where that happened. And um, it just reminds you so much of why we love sports. You know, Warren Morris was a very, very good player. He's obtained this reputation of that he wasn't that great of a player, but he actually was, but he'd been hurt all year. And for him to have this big walk-off home run in Rosenblatt, just like it kind of goes to show you that anything is possible in sports and also college sports. So I have a lot of love for that. Um, I could say there's a million NFL games I could say. There's so many that were great. But at the end of the day, I, I couldn't really think of one. Um, oh, those are those are awesome. And they're different. You know, they're not your, they're not your every day that you're doing every Sunday, yeah. Monday or Thursday. <laughs> the occasional Thursday, Monday. What is your life motto? Um, we keep talking about cheesiness or cliches, but <laughs> I was thinking about this and I've had this Old Dominion song on my Facebook profile forever. And um, the lyrics of the song go chase after the dream. Don't chase after the money. And I, oh, think, I love that. Yeah, I think it applies so much to this job. We give so much of ourselves to this job. I talked about how, you know, I used to sit in that basement and wonder if there was more to life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is, it becomes who we are as much as you'd like to separate a person from the job. Um, I think mm-hmm. Really, really, really love it. And so I think about that a lot as I've kind of gone through each stage in my life and make sacrifices to to move up in this job. And, you know, it's it's all worth it, but it kind of rings in my head a lot whenever you have those moments of uncertainty of like where your life is going to go and things like that. That's a good one. What is your go-to workout? I love Orange Theory. I have not gone in a while. <laughs> Very lazy this summer. Uh, but I started going to Orange Theory in 2018. I love it. Um, if you've never tried it, highly, highly suggest. It's very motivating. It is. I have done for it. It's, it's a really fun workout. What is your go-to coffee order? That's an important one in this job. So I, I love coffee. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, it's a very big joke that like I'm obsessed with coffee, but I also <laughs> spill it on myself all the time. Oh. I'm a big fun. Same. Yeah. <laughs> I drink so much coffee at home, but when I actually let myself go get like that fancy coffee that costs like six bucks, I always get a caramel latte with almond milk. That sounds really good. I'm so going to try that. Usually get it at airports. Yeah, well, that, that makes sense. I, I tweeted a few weeks ago. I think I was leaving, what airport? Minneapolis. I was leaving the Minneapolis airport, and I said, I'm not proud of this, you guys, but I am now a person in line at the airport Starbucks, and it's just, it's just the way it goes. All right? It's been a week of joint practices, late preseason game, early flight home. I was like, it's okay. This is who I've become now. It's okay. okay. There was this, there was this moment, like, uh, I think it was the year before last, I had this 5 a.m. flight out of Baltimore and nothing is open except (gasps) lounge, which there's one lounge. It opened at 4.30 in the morning. I think I was standing outside. They they open it and I run in and the guy's like in the middle of explaining where the coffee is. And I was like, okay, got it. And like, went. I could hear him tell someone in the background. Oh my gosh. I thought I wasn't going to have to refill that coffee till (laughs) noon. That's funny. I know it was kind of embarrassing because I think he thought I was a crazy person, but I was like, "You just don't understand." Like it was a night game. It is four in the morning. Yeah, slept for an hour. If I don't get this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die. And what is a book every woman should read? 
I just read this really cool book called The Correspondence. Okay. It's about the these six women who were reporters and journalists during World War II. And there are six stories. Well, actually, one was a photographer. Um, it is so cool. It puts my job into perspective completely. One of these women like actually snuck on a Red Cross ship uh, when they were going to Omaha Beach because they told her, we don't want women on the front lines. So she had to like, pretend to be a nurse and then she stowed away to like go to Omaha Beach to report on what happened. Another wow. one yeah, another one broke that World War II was happening because she like snuck to this place, like the front lines in a different place and like saw like the tanks and was like able to go um, ba- break the news that the war was happening. Wow. And, yeah, it totally, it's, it's such, their stories are so cool. And, you know, these women were threatened and told that they needed to, it wasn't a place for them. And one of them had to write under assumed names because one of them was actually uh, interviewing like, Hitler and his wow. men and things like that. And I just remember thinking like, wow, that is, that is incredible reporting, incredible people. Um, it's a fairly new book. So hopefully since I'm recommending it, recommending it, hopefully it's in hardback. I mean, paperback now, but um, highly recommend if you love journalism. I do. I'm definitely going to check that out. That's awesome. Catherine, thank you so much. This was absolutely fantastic. Well, thank you for having me and uh, I'm looking forward to a great football season. Please let everyone know where they could find you. You can follow me on Twitter at cat underscore Terrell or uh, my work at ESPN.com. And if you guys like what you heard, and I know you did, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. Follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. And with that, I'll talk to everybody next time. Oh, and we are brought to you by Bet Online. And with that, I'll talk to everybody next time. Bye, all Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.